You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And today we have the pleasure of having PC in the building. What's up, Pastor Craig? Hello, everybody. I'm excited to be here. God bless you all. I'm sure we're going to have a wonderful time today. We are. We are. I was just commenting that PC is anything but PC. He is not politically correct. He tells it like it is. And he's not Philip Chiangwa. <laughs> no, he's not that either. Um, but yeah, he's someone who you can rely on to mm. tell you the God honest truth, whether you want to hear it or not. But it gives life at the end yeah. of the day, mm. I feel. So yeah, we're happy to have you today. And today we're tackling an issue following on from the previous episodes which we aired, which were about Lobola and marriage and relationships. So now we're talking about getting ready to be a married somebody (laughs) and the steps that we take in order to ready ourselves for that. And one of those steps is premarital counseling, which a lot of churches encourage, which I encourage. as a, a very necessary step to take before you walk down the aisle. As someone who's now qualified to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I can talk about it from first-hand experience. Yeah. I didn't know what I was in for, to be honest. Like, because mm-hmm. some people do it in like a in like a month and they're done with. I've been at it now for like a year, <laughs> but that's also because we took a long break. But yeah, I mean, it's been very enlightening, very very enlightening. Um, and they actually say the there's a couple at our church who counsels and they say their strategy is to literally try and throw everything at you that could break you to see if you guys actually meant for each other i was like guys what kind of strategy is that brah breaking up people before they even get married but um yeah pastor craig you are a premarital counselor right yes you're on the other side of the equation and what is it like when you get this couple come in for the first time and they're nervous and they don't know what to expect and what do you what do you tell them in that initial session to look at the ball to look forward to for the rest of the however many sessions you're going to have? Wow, um, we tell them a lot. Like mm. you just said, uh, premarital counseling can be very um, all encompassing. Mm. It can be very long. Of course, sometimes it's brief. But um, if you if we just to talk from the very onset. Or maybe let me just track back and say, unfortunately, for uh, uh, my kind of experience is normally people you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And and not so much people you're meeting with uh, for the first oh, time. Yeah. So you yeah. have an idea who you're already uh, dealing with. Mm-hmm. But supposing I was meeting somebody um, from the very from the very go for the very first time, what's the thing that I would tell them? Well, I'll tell them um, to look forward to marriage. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Right. Look forward to marriage. Yeah. Marriage is a, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. And uh, since we are believers, I would also tell them, like many people do teach, this is the institution that sits highest above all other human institutions mm. as established by God yeah. at the very, very beginning. So get ready for a very exciting trip. <laughs> That's what I would say at the yes, very well. onset. Mm. So do you recommend that people choose a counselor who they know or it's fine to just... I mean, if you hopefully you're attending a church, you just go to the, the, the ministry that deals with that, get allocated someone and 
Oh. I, I would definitely recommend you, obviously, to deal with people who know you. Mm. Because um, by, the ve- uh, by the mere fact that I know you, there's certain elements about an individual that you are bound to appreciate, which could have an effect um, on marriage. Mm. I mean, when you look at counseling, even as a general discipline, art or a or, or, or way of, or, of doing things, it's, non, it's never that um, it's a one-size-fits-all kind yeah. of approach to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there are certain principles. In fact, there's, general, there's generic principles, but how they're applied from individual to individual is bound to be different, mm. that kind of a thing. So I would obviously recommend that um, generally people deal with uh, people that know them. Yeah. Right. Um, for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons. Let me just give one particular one. One of the things I love telling singles mm-hmm. is you think you know your spouse until you get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I actually like using myself as an example that um, there are certain things I didn't know about myself until I was married. Mm-hmm. I'll, ma- I'll mention two particular things. What kind of a husband I was going to be. Yeah. You see, in other words, how I would respond to certain scenarios mm. right so even though i knew i should be a good husband and so forth but i never there's certain things because i'd never stayed with somebody mm. that i had no appreciation of yeah. simply because i wasn't in that kind of scenario mm. the same thing again i can say about me as a parent i never really knew you know we planned we prayed we dreamed we talked about what kind of kids would have yeah. but for me it never really occurred to me what kind of a parent i was actually going to become mm. right and i only saw this now that um i actually got married mm. now coupled with this there are certain things that say somebody who's above me would know about my personality which can then fit and tie into a counseling setup which would be very expedient um, and important for me not just personality wise but even things about my past Mm-hmm. Uh, or things about my life. So when, when, when a couple is coming together, the assumption is that everybody knows everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a very good right. assumption, but, you know, sometimes couples don't always have, prior to the marriage, a certain key information about each other, right. which is necessary to, uh, to consider, all right, or to at least deal or address Mm-hmm. prior to them going on to this very important journey. Yeah. So that's, some, that's one of the reasons why um, just getting to know or, or the people, or at least knowing the people you're dealing with, is, is particularly imp- important. It, it makes a lot of things easy. Right. Mm. Um, I guess sort of tagging on to that point that you just mentioned um, about um, the importance of knowing, um, or I guess bringing things to the table that a couple wouldn't ordinarily uh, bring up outside of a counseling session, right, Mm. about each other. Um, I guess my question is actually on the importance of premarital counseling. Mm. Um, Of course, different churches have different models that they use. Correct. uh, But the one sort of central thing seems to be that, you know, you need to do some sort of counseling before you take that, Mm -hmm. that next step. So I guess my question would be that, uh, why is it so important, right? And has it also not just become a tradition where, you know, because I'm part of a church and this is part of the process of getting married, mm. you know, is what is the actual importance of um, engaging in, in the premarital counseling? Number one is, is preparation. Preparation for marriage. I must 
quickly qualify this by saying you can never be fully prepared for marriage. Right. <laughs> but you need to be prepared for marriage. So counseling comes in, as far as I'm concerned, to prepare both partners for this journey that they want, that they're about to get into as a collective body and then obviously them as individuals. The roles, if you want, if, if you want I can say the do's and the don'ts. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I don't really like that, but um, I'm just trying to say, you know, you're preparing the people for what they're about to get into. Yeah. Without adequate preparation, um, they may struggle or ultimately fail. Yesterday, I was having a very hard-to-hard conversation with one of our uh, our members, a single gentleman yeah. from our church. I'm just talking about preparation here. Right. And I was telling him some, I was just debunking some myths, you know, some Christian myths about marriage. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, do you know that it's possible for a marriage made in heaven to fail? Right. Mm-hmm. I was actually saying there's two reasons. There's two main reasons why as far as I'm concerned, overarching reasons why marriages fail, mm-hmm. right? And I actually have a theory that uh, one one contributes 10% of all the divorces and the other is 90%. I want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, these are over, overarching yeah. reasons. The first reasons why marriages fail is selection. You chose the wrong person mm-hmm. in the very first instance. So that's the 10%. Uh, for me, that's 10%. You, can do you see, so regardless of what kind of a person you are, this thing is going nowhere sooner or later, it's going to tank. Right. I believe that 10% of the marriages that fail, right, they fail because of wrong selection. 90%, this is a theory. That's a hot one right there. Anyway, uh, this is a theory. 90% is what people do when they get married okay. which is what makes them fail mm-hmm. let me get back to my story now so i was i was talking i was having this heart to heart uh discussion with them and i was saying marriages made in he- heaven can fail it doesn't take it you know christians you know they want a virgin were you a virgin was i a virgin uh, were we christians or oh, you know people like that can still fail yeah if they are not prepared it's not so much they selected wrong but they did wrong when yeah. they were in the marriage, mm-hmm. there were certain things they failed to do. Wow. Yeah. I actually say there is my own research has shown that marriages that don't divorce have four main, four main, uh, I've seen four main um, characteristics uh-huh. or attributes of any marriage or relationship for that matter. That doesn't, that doesn't end, but wait. So I said a marriage made in heaven can fail if people do the wrong thing. Then I went on to the other side and I said, you know that a marriage made in the bower, in the bar uh-huh. can actually make it. Yeah. If these people who just stumbled into each other, you know, he had his girlfriend, but he just met her and then they had a good time. And then ah, I'm pregnant and ah, we got to go together and mm-hmm. let's just start. And you discover that they do really well. 40 years together or life together. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Even though really, if you look at it by all intents and purpose, that was wrong selection. Right. Right. But what they did post that part is what was critical. Mm-hmm. So when you come to premarital counseling, one of the things it's doing is preparing you guys for the journey that's ahead. What I'm going to say next uh, in terms of the importance there as well is uh, besides the aspect of preparation, it almost comes back to preparation again. I like to say it's helping to divorce proof a marriage. Right. Even though you could actually say it's, it's part of preparation. Yeah. At any given time, Every marriage must be um, must be divorce proofed. Okay. 
right? So one of the things that premarital counseling is doing, I'm just, I'm just separating it. You could put it in preparation, uh-huh. but I, I'm wanting to separate it here to say perhaps there's certain aspects you need to know about just, yeah, how to get along and how to, how to obviously run marriage, yeah. but also particularly to look at certain aspects that must um, specifically um, um, prepare the partners, not really prepare, but inform, advise, yeah. and empower you guys, mm-hmm. you know, to, 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 to avoid and evade divorce yeah. when it comes. And guess what? Uh, anyone who's been married long enough will yeah. tell you the idea of splitting happened at some stage so right. every marriage every 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 car before it goes out of the assembly line it gets shock absorbers yeah right they they put those in so that when when it's hitting whatever it is on the road it's able to withstand the pressure yeah. and still be standing every marriage by the time we get in you know um we must be in a place where to some extent the marriage is, has got um a, a divorce proofing element that's right. in there and then i come back to say remember it all doesn't happen through premarital counseling. It's yeah. all a process, yeah. but it's very crucial for it to happen at this stage and moment in marriage. Yeah. Mm. Wow, this is... Um, so, okay. I, I just want to go back to uh-huh. um, a point that you brought up, the, uh-huh. ten, the 10%. Uh-huh. That, that's 10%. Uh-huh. Uh, because, you know, I feel like it's something that we don't talk about enough, mm-hmm. um, especially in Christian circles, where it's like, ah, oh, you know, the guy's, you know, he's spirit-filled and he loves God mm-hmm. and she loves God. Mm-hmm. And then they got together and then, you know, things happen. They get married and mm-hmm. they do everything right, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've also kind of seen something that's kind of, yeah, it, it, cons- it concerns me a little bit mm. with some married people, not everyone, but with some mm. married people that I know, mm-hmm. where it almost feels like they're married, they're good people, they're, they're God-loving and everything, mm. but there's like no chemistry or there's, yeah. you, you know what I mean, where yeah. you kind of think, but you guys, just, it, it feels like you're just doing it. Absolutely. And sometimes when you see couples like that, you don't feel drawn Inspired. to the whole idea of marriage you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying mm. so w- w- is that part of that this is why, why this is why this is uh, possibly yeah uh, firstly those kinds of couples for me or mm. those kinds of scenarios and there are plenty of them you know expose why it's important to go through premarital counseling but as you can already see remember i say 10 percent is selection 90 percent is what you do right. so be, beyond the pre part of of, of of marriage there must be the post uh-huh. You see, a marriage is a car. I always give an analogy of a car when I, when I discuss marriage. Marriage is a car. Both of you guys are the passengers in it, right? Uh, I normally like to say that the husband is the driver. And then I normally say either you've got a good car, bad driver, bad driver, good car, and so forth, bad driver, bad car, etc., etc., etc. But you know when you have a car, Post, uh, post you're buying a very good car. Mm-hmm. One of the things that must happen to a car is maintenance, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people get a car fresh, freshly minted, freshly uh, new car smell and everything else. Yeah. And, and that's fine and fair. Mm-hmm. But what they do beyond getting that car is the reason why the car then is rugged. Mm-hmm. And then another person who sees a bad car, misused, battered, oil leaks, smoke and so forth can can then make an assumption or a, a conclusion to say uh, cars are, are bad. Yeah. The car isn't really bad. It's the people that are managing that, that kind of a car. Right. So, so when you're getting into premarital counseling, premarital counseling now is helping you to maintain a very good car that you've got. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And the thing about this car is, remember, uh, we don't trade it in for a new one, mm-hmm. right? You, how you're looking at this kind of thing is you've got this one. It's like your body, okay? Yeah. It's the only one you've got. Yeah. And uh, we're expecting you to really keep this uh, on and on and on and on. So premarital counseling is coming to teach a person, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to basically carry themselves and... Um, Make it a, a very worthwhile experience. Yeah. Mm. So when would you recommend in their journey that a couple should start doing premarital counseling? As soon as the decision to get married comes in. Okay. As soon as the decision to get married is, is, is coming. So uh, you've proposed to each other, you've done your engagements. Of course, I know engagements is a, is a whole different subject altogether because it's, it's done differently in different places. Yeah. But I'm saying the moment... Uh, the parties have said we want to get married. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, I'm assuming that they're going to formalize the process regarding if there's lobola and bride prices and things like yeah. that, and obviously wedding days. You want to at least give it a significant um, uh, portion of time yeah. uh, prior to your to your wedding day. So, I would say uh, at at least six months prior to your getting married. Okay. And then is I would also say people go out for five years before you get married, and right. that's another. That's another subject altogether. But at least, at the very least, you want to, to give it um, probably more than six months before you get married. The other reason why is because some, some people in organizing marriages and weddings, you see, they are so bogged down into the event mm-hmm. that even if you bring them for counseling, they've got no um, emotional energy yeah. to really get concepts, learn, yeah. talk without being bogged down about how to organize just a one-day event, which is important, which is a wedding. Mm-hmm. So the, the further back you go, at oh, least you, you're a bit more relaxed and you've, you've got a bit more time yeah. Yeah. and uh, less pressure mm. to actually learn, listen, talk, express yourselves, and then obviously uh, get, get the wisdom you must for, for marriage. Yeah. Right. Have you had any instances where um, after doing a pre-marital counseling process with a couple mm-hmm. they ended up deciding not to go ahead with, yeah, I was about to ask that. with, with them with the marriage as a result of the premarital counseling <laughs> yes really really why because possibly before like i said most of the people you're dealing with you know yeah so before they're married there's certain hard questions uh, not before they're married sorry before the point of premarital counseling mm-hmm. there's certain hard questions i love to ask Right, uh, like the HIV questions. Right, I left. I, I, I love to ask those. Just give us two, just two of those. For instance, um, okay, um, you love her. Praise God. What if you discover that she's, if you're negative, for instance, and you discover she's positive, are you going to go ahead with it? Uh, what if you discover the dude or the owner has got a child, right, or the girl has got uh, something? What if you discover that um, your partner used to go out with an undesirable person mm-hmm. there's there's a number there's a range of there's a range of questions that that you know that can act as a sieve mm-hmm. not just a range of questions but there's a type of discussion yeah i'm talking about prior the moment of actually deciding to get married right mm-hmm. that can actually make um uh, though that 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 discussion not even be relevant at the point of premarital counseling okay. so there's certain people when you've talked to you discover that, hey, actually such and such a person is trying to be in a relationship with this person for marriage, but actually still caught up in a previous relationship. Right. So before it's even gone that far, 
Yeah. All right. It's it's usually it's usually split. So in terms of practical scenarios where people after that they say no, uh, we, we've never I've never encountered uh, I've never encountered such no. Okay. Mm, interesting. So what kind of topics or subjects? should be covered in I know different churches do it differently some use booklets some use online methods whatever the case may be <laughs> yes, is that really counseling though? <laughs> um, but yeah there's different methods but I'm sure there's like a common denominator in terms of the subjects that should be covered so, so what, what what must be covered yeah. yes and I must be very careful how I speak mm. I would expect yeah okay allow me to speak from my context mm-hmm. and where I'm yes. coming from yeah. mm-hmm. with all due respect to what everybody else is teaching because remember we can just give the same wisdom but from different angles yeah I would expect um, the very first thing a couple must be taught about is just not really let me not say taught but what they must grasp through the counseling mm-hmm. whichever uh, style it goes yeah is the marriage institution mm-hmm. what the marriage institution really is mm-hmm. right what is the marriage institution uh, what what are we talking about when we're talking about marriage how does it operate yeah where is it in the plan in the context of god before we talk about how to be married yeah right or how to do married mm-hmm. right what is what is this thing i actually believe that's probably one of the reasons why people end up disrespecting it because they don't really understand um uh, its value in yeah. the sight of god in the way that it should be mm-hmm. yeah right so i believe that just just an understanding of what the marriage institution is i think that's very important there is a broad range of other topics obviously that must yeah. be looked at communication mm-hmm. Communi- okay let me let me go to let me let me let me let me track back to what i said uh, when when i have looked at marriages all over the world mm-hmm. just by just by mere observation and study i noticed that uh, marriages that don't die that are permanent have have have, have four main four main components yeah <laughs> which is why I'm I'm mentioning this because I would then expect probably and I in fact I see these these things being dealt with in in different contexts mm-hmm. so for instance I notice that divorce is never a a factor okay in marriages that don't end right and I'm not talking about christian marriages I'm talking about any marriage Across the board that yeah. has never ended I tend to notice that usually when the question of divorce is never in there is likely never to happen. Mm-hmm. I tend to notice that um so I, I normally call that the vision bit. Okay. Right, the vision of a marriage. I also talk about um love. A marriage where true love is. Again, there's an assumption that people know what love is. Right? Mm-hmm. There's an assumption that it's well taught or it's well explained, but after 10 years, I love my wife, but I don't love my wife. You know, as in I'm not I'm not feeling some physical uh attraction about her and you know I just can't wait to go lift her up and so forth and so forth. <laughs> love moves from being a feeling to a decision. Yeah. People don't always know that uh aspect about love. I don't think we like see, hearing that actually. You see, but after a while, you know that's what it's about, communication communication again 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 what i notice is that um <laughs> people think they know how to communicate up until they in a, in a relationship sometimes and then they discover yeah hey, actually mm, we may not be as efficient so they need to be taught that and uh, having a support system marriages that that never die 
one of the things I've seen is they've got very strong, so they've got very strong support systems, just like the body needs a, a skeleton mm -hmm. to hold it up. So I'm thinking if 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 if, if people are being are being given premarital counselling, this needs to come in. Right. Then there's soft. They, I, I excuse the word soft, but there's common topics, your finances, right? That can be an issue sex. What what lots of premarital counselors so would tell you. If I if I'm a soft daddy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what do I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me explain. The reason why I laughed just a few seconds ago is because uh, what I've realized is normally the single person thinks that they know and excuse me, my viewers, what I'm about to say. Uh -huh. They know how to really do sex properly. You know, right up until they get married. married. And unfortunately, the thing about sex is that it's such a touchy topic, you know. After investing my bubble, right? <laughs> yes. It's such a touchy topic that... Um, it's such a touchy topic that once it's happening in a marriage, it's not like a couple has got the liberty to be very open about how yeah. sex is happening. Yeah. Right. So now, without proper training and instruction for it, yeah. you may have some challenges. Right, you may probably have some challenges, and remember, I'm, I'm saying this out of experience. Normally, the single guy thinks that he knows how to have sex properly. How about we know? I like that, right? I like that, and and now, unfortunately, I've just talked about the sexual act yeah. and not the whole, um, uh, be all end all about uh, right. sex. As it relates to marriage, yeah, and and I'm saying this because uh, the average person, by the time they've um, they're married, either they're seeing they're seeing sex, reading sex, hearing sex, yeah. or probably engaging in some sort of sex, right, right. But unfortunately, when you sit down with people to really hear hearts, minds, and thoughts regarding that subject, yeah. you then discover that oh, there's a lot that's unsaid, mm -hmm. yeah. a lot that's unknown, a lot that's assumed. Yeah. Right. Which, if a person gets into marriage without knowing, my goodness me, they may fail to enjoy fully that a gift which God has um, has given them, and um, and offered for them. So people need to to know that. Why do I put it around the soft things? Because the fact is, you know, sex is 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 frequent in your in your young days. Yeah. But as you're going with time. Oh, you mean your young days as a couple? Uh, young days as a couple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not your young show. single days. <laughs> but it, it, as the marriage is growing longer, uh, the frequency of sex obviously declines. Okay. Right? By the time you become grandparents or great-grandparents, sex definitely isn't um, what holds a marriage together. True. If sex brought people together, then what if there's an opportunity to get it somewhere else? Right. You see, it's not a very strong strand that is that's going to likely keep a marriage together as opposed mm. to friendship yeah. and companionship, which is really built out of communication. Mm -hmm. I was talking to some people and I was, and you, you guys know all this fact. Yeah. Talking is not communication. Yeah. But I said, you know that you can never have communication without talking. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you see, so there's something about a healthy and a strong communication base yeah. that builds an intimacy that brings out a friendship yeah. That makes you guys so stickable to each other that nothing, no one, no situation can actually ever take you away from. And by the way, when, we, when we're talking about premarital counseling, the worst thing we can ever do is just to try to get people married so that they don't divorce. Like you said, right. people shouldn't just be married on paper. 
and fail to enjoy that uh, that kind of marriage. So yeah. you're teaching these people things of communication so that, um, you know what, they're able to build that kind of uh, lasting and enjoyable union. What else should they teach? Let me just also mention some other important thing. When I mentioned the support structure, yeah. people must then learn how to deal with uh, external influences right. into the marriage. Yeah. Right. And when we talk about external influences, the most uh, common ones we are likely to think about are the, uh, yeah. the relatives. Yeah. yeah. The first ones I would say think about are your children. Oh, okay. Mm hmm one of the, this this lesson i never really got it prior to the marriage i got it when we in the marriage uh, through our various couples yeah. sessions where they they clearly taught me and i thank god we were so young but the, the, the lesson got home yeah. is that children are visitors children are visitors in your marriage whether you like it or not and you know i got a young daughter right now she's four yeah. but one day she's going to be so happy and say this is the best day of my life bye <laughs> bye <laughs> Never mind the days we've had ever since she was born, you yeah. know. Yeah. These guys are going to be so, after their own lives, they're mm. going to leave us. Mm. Sometimes the couples, you know, they're taught, they, not they're taught, they fall so much in love with these guys. And of course we must love them. Yeah. And neglecting each other, only to discover once the house or the nest is empty, that they're now trying bad. to rediscover each other. Hi, mm. uh, Craig, uh, you are. <laughs> so what you like doing? You know, yeah. that kind of a thing. So uh, marriage uh, counseling must prepare people how to deal with external parties. Mm. Right. Starting with kids, your family, friends. Mm. Oh, you would be shocked. How that, 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 that is such a, is such a effect that's had a number of people. But simply because people aren't taught. Then you can have even church family, even your mm. social settings, your professional setups yeah. and so forth. So these are some of the things we must prepare people for. All right. Yeah. So how would you navigate that mm. if it's two people from different churches who come from perhaps different bases of teaching mm -hmm. and they now want to get the counseling together? Mm -hmm. But so do they do it both churches or do they have to like what's the middle ground? Choose one. Choose one. That's my recommendation. Choose one. Um, it's just like having two different doctors trying to operate on one person. Mm -hmm. Even though the, 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 um, the condition may be similar, the approaches may be separate. So what happens uh, sometimes is uh, what the truth that one person is saying can be measured against the truth which another person is saying. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you could have clashes. Mm -hmm. when, when actually the point being delivered is more or less the same. Right. right, but there could be different interpretations mm. and understandings which can, as far as I'm concerned, bring unnecessary conflict. So, with regards to the the partners, let them find who they are comfortable with, um, and then mm. let them go there, as opposed to having many different uh, counselors okay. or different sets of counselors. That's what I would say. Yeah. All right. Mm. Um, then I want to ask something. Last night, mm. I was reading an an article um, on. What? There we go. I was reading an article, and uh, it was talking about what was called, I think, the purity movement or something that happened some time back mm -hmm. um, in the States and places like that. And it's someone who sort of came out of that, who was then talking about how uh, after that whole thing and people were um, hammering on purity and waiting and all the people who went through that whole movement. Oh, mm -hmm. is this the guy who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye and then he decided that that was a load I think that's, of that's, nonsense. I think you probably came, Josh, Josh Harris probably came out of that whole thing. But yeah. it was um, uh, on the RZIM okay. um, blog site. Mm. So basically this person was talking about um, how 
a lot of the couples that waited mm-hmm. ended up <laughs> divorcing. No, really. I'm telling you, yeah, like mm. it just didn't work out the way that mm. um, it had been envisioned to, mm. to work out. Then uh, there was a whole lot of other stuff and there was a response to that comment. But one particular um, article that was written by another person um, mm. on, the, on that thing was saying that the, the challenge is that as Christians, especially, you know, we're taught to look forward to marriage. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, at, this, at a certain age, everyone is sort of looking, right? Mm-hmm. Because marriage is the I've arrived sort mm-hmm. of place. Like, I'm not married, mm-hmm. you know, and the amount of times I get asked. Mm-hmm. When you get married, when, are you getting married? When, when is it happening, right? Um, at church, by different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. I'm just like... Is that really the be all and end all of everything? Yes. Yeah. Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> Type thing. But it just goes to show you how um I guess, you know, there's this anticipation for marriage. Mm-hmm. Don't you also think that we've in a way idolized the idea of marriage um as as Christians? Um to a point where um when certain things then happen or when uh, the marriage doesn't live up to what we thought it would be. Mm-hmm. You know, then people lose confidence or people mm-hmm. actually get... Because this person was actually quite angry at mm-hmm. God because they're like, you know what? I was promised all these things mm-hmm. and then it just never happened the way that... It and just everyone was telling me that when you get... You know, mm-hmm. if you wait, if you do the right thing and then you get married, Holy Spirit mm-hmm. has got you. God is going to carry it. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to... I'm just, I guess what I'm trying to um, mm-hmm. hear from you is... Um, where do we sort of draw the balance between um, the excitement for marriage and mm. encouraging people to get married because it's a good thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, then the other extreme, which is uh, maybe idolizing the actual idea of marriage, mm. you know, without looking at it realistically and practically. Wow. Wow. If the church was to make a mistake, I would forgive them for idolizing the, the, the idea of marriage. Right. I could easily forgive them. Why? Because of the importance of that institution. I think marriage should be encouraged for a number of reasons, for a number of reasons, uh-huh. spiritual and practical um, reasons. But at the same time, we must draw back and then um, prepare people or rather educate people about what marriage is or what it should be. If people have a healthy understanding of it, nobody will ever have an issue with it. Right. And then um, we must also be very careful to separate a negative experience Mm -hmm. with a good thing. There are lots of churches where abuses have happened, but the church will never be irrelevant. Right. There are bad pastors, but the institution of a pastor can never be bad in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So bad marriages does not make marriage in and of itself bad as well. Where... Um, the idola- idolization, if I can use that word, of marriage comes in. I think it's um, it's really something we must actually, to some extent, address and deal with. Uh, I, I, I've heard this marriage is not an a- achievement um, thing. To some extent, very correct. But marriage is an achievement to another extent as well, right? Right? Because I've, 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 I've seen that um, that that kind of argument and counter argument coming. There, some people say, hey, you know, there's so much to to life. Correct, mm-hmm. but um, and it's and it's fine and fair. If you don't want to get married, don't. Um, with all due respect, of course, you can live life and be very fulfilled, no problem. Yeah. But there's so much more that can happen 
through the institution of marriage and we must respect it mm-hmm. we must honor it yeah. we must celebrate the good ones Right. And obviously commiserate with those that didn't work. God must never be blamed when marriage fails. I always take people to Proverbs 19, uh, verse 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Living Translation, I think, it says people ruin their lives by their foolishness. Why does God get blamed? Right. You know, some people, they have issues with each other. I'm always complaining sometimes. Not really complaining, but I always say, if you guys have a fight in your business where you are, mm-hmm. why does one of you stop coming for church what did church do <laughs> you know what did we do <laughs> right you know so forth, so forth and so forth didn't do this so i'm not coming to church but what did church do so i'm just trying to say um when marriages fail right or when relationships fail normally like i'm saying 10 or 90 percent 10 percent was used it's it was never going to work in the first place 90 percent right. is because people either didn't get wisdom before the marriage or they got in with that wisdom but they ditched it you see, they just ditched it. And then when it failed, then we were, we were pure. We were church people. Oh, we we prayed. Yeah. But, but there are certain principles you didn't continue to live by. Right. Like certain st- uh, strategies of communication, faithfulness, you know, yeah. and so forth. Praying uh, as a family and so mm. forth and so forth. So um, God must never be blamed. Right. People must be taught. So prior to the marriage, and, and here I think we, we're even writing uh, over and above a premarital counseling, correct? Yeah. Mm. So generally, the church must do a good job generally to train everybody about yeah. what marriage is. Yeah. And even the roles of us who may not be married to certain people is a collective body yeah. insofar as this institution is concerned. Like I'm saying, we must encourage, we must celebrate, mm. we must support. Yeah. Remember, support structure? Yeah. yeah. That kind of a thing. Why, what does it do to this institution? It shows us and continues to glorify an important institution. Right. right? There must never be a time where people lose faith in marriage. Because uh, um, countering that is also the unions that are not, uh, where people are just staying together. Yeah. Where people are also just engaging in illicit sexual relations yeah. and the like. And then uh, not forgetting that strong marriages build good communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good communities build good societies and nations. Yeah. Right. One of, yeah. uh, I, was, I was reading a very, a very, very sad statistic about South Africa mm-hmm. that in, um, is it in the world or in Africa, they have the highest rate of uh, single parent homes. I think they were talking about 66% of, of children are coming from such a setting. I think so. I, I, I came yeah. across that. That scared me a lot. Yeah. That kind of a statistic, um, and I think I would need to verify it, but it was quite high yeah. and rather disconcerting, can explain certain societal ills right. mm-hmm. that we come across. Just certain lack of value systems. Yeah. So these are the offshoots of just failed marital institutions. Mm-hmm. So this, 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 this good institution called marriage is, is, is not just something for two people to enjoy. But it's a way that God uses to build responsible citizens and, and, and proper and strong countries. Yeah. So nobody must ever blame um, their marriage or God yeah. for things that have failed. Mm. That's really good. And post uh, premarital counseling, let me emphasize this for any couple that must go it or go through it is, come on guys, after, after the, the date of marriage, there must be stuff that's happening yeah. to make sure that the marriage is being enhanced. 
Amen. Right? There's no fire that can keep going, you know, if ashes are not being removed right. and fresh wood is being put. Yeah. The, the, one of the best marital teachings I've received from a pastor is, is a marriage as a garden. Yeah. There is no garden. Mugadin. <laughs> There's no garden that um, that just uh, comes up and looks nice and is well manicured by mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. A well manicured garden obviously happens through a very deliberate process. Yeah. So the issue for many people, unfortunately, is to try to get to marriage, mm-hmm. but never thinking about what happens after they're married right. to ensure that what you know um uh, the thing or this wonderful institution continues to go so there must be also a very deliberate drive to say what are we going to do after we're married to ensure that um this continues to fire and this is part of the reason why we have a premarital counseling because they they mention these kinds of things yeah, yeah i actually mm-hmm. like that analogy because then that's probably why the grass can start to look greener on the other side because you're not watering your you're own not garden. Yeah. You're not, yeah. you're not weed. You're not removing the weeds. Yeah. You know, you're not, uh, you're not pruning the plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, like I said, um, there's no perfect spouse out there. Yeah. yeah. What you just discover after staying together with a person is well, uh, who they really are comes out not in a bad way. But it's just that you never had the opportunity to stay with them. Mm. Right. So you don't know how they sleep. You don't know how they react to breakfast. You don't know their eating habits each yeah. and every day and so forth and so forth. So so it's, it's, it's really crucial. But premarital counseling done well. Yeah. One of the things it does, it just doesn't make people get excited for marriage. It reminds them of their responsibility once they're married to say, hey, right. girl, guy, we've got work to do here to make sure that um, it'll work out. Yeah. Wow, this is so good. Mm. And I think, you know, one of the things that I, I love about uh, what you said at the beginning is that um, you, when people approach you, you, you what did you say uh, about... The hard questions? No, no, before the hard questions, about um, how we actually tell them that they're getting into a very exciting... Exciting journey. Journey. And I think mm. it's important because, you know, sometimes we forget that mm. side of things as well, you mm. know, that... It is something actually very exciting. Absolutely. It's, it's something worth, worth celebrating. That we must look forward to. Yeah, something that, forward that, we, to. that we must look forward to. Unfortunately, society um, is beginning to bring out and, and sell stereotypes of marriage that are not very healthy. Right. Mm. You're getting arrested. You know? Um, that's I, I hear some of the guys talking about that you're losing oh, your freedom. Oh, your ball and chain. Uh-huh. That's what your wife. Is. Exactly, you are. Your life sentence. You what? Know, yeah. You know, your life sentence. Yeah. That kind of a thing. <laughs> and so, life. and so, you know, a, a person is getting it. They're thinking, wow, you know, life used to be nice. Yeah. Now I'm getting into this thing where it's not so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was telling a certain couple the other day that. Um, it's technically wrong for for your husband. Not that you're married. I was actually challenging them to say, you know, when you're married, they unfortunately did not have the experience of uh, going through premarital counseling. Yeah. I was like, you know, when you get married, you need to stop acting single. <laughs> Some people never quite make the switch. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, lobola, wedding, <laughs> even a ring and a certificate. They actually fail to make the switch, yeah. you know, from being single to, to married. So, so as a result, you know, you get a lot of a lot of problems just out of somebody failing to make what a switch. So, a lot of guys are thinking, you know. So, I was telling this couple to say, "Hey, you got to start doing things together." Okay. 
right? Yeah. You could have started doing things together. This business of um, you and the boys ended Start the desire <laughs> <laughs> the day yeah yeah or jeans or but but yeah. in our case in my marriage marital case and what what works for us is when we wear liverpool jerseys you know our marriage just vibes <laughs> when you wear what liverpool jerseys oh wow it just vibes okay. you know so i was just telling that couple that you need to start doing things together but what is society telling us mm-hmm. is telling us that wow you're getting in you're losing your freedom but yeah. you know what a woman must know that me and the boys not that you mustn't have friends yeah. and in time with friends but sometimes i i see the very um extreme of that yeah. being you know i got to be with the boys got nothing to do with you what we do is what we do etc yeah. etc et this is and 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 it you get the impression that a guy really gains life or realizes what fun is When the moment is out and and these are some of the things that yeah. are being thrown around right yeah you know girls girl secrets things that girls do blah 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 and so forth and so forth to the detriment of what marriage and the excitement it should be yeah. because the, i i i see no more meaningful relationship or 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 deep relationship that goes beyond a marriage relationship mm. because remember it's a covenant yeah remember the bible says the two become, become one. one become one so and 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 those spiritual connotations to it for me they they far rise higher Yeah. than just any other thing but 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 we're in a world where divorce is uh, is more and more popular um yeah getting married is less and less popular yeah. and 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 marriage as an exciting journey is not very well spoken of mm. i like that you mentioned the boys because mm. i know in the zimbabwean context mm. a lot is done for the murora to be or the bride to be to quote unquote prepare her for being a wife whether mm. it's a kitchen tea or she sat down by the tetes and whoever and mm. given tons of advice that she might not even be able to compute all of it but mm. she's it's there it's available mm. whereas for the man mm. after you've done roda it's like good job mate yeah you're you're done like there's no oh. i don't i wouldn't see a bachelor party as a <laughs> <laughs> as something that's gonna teach anyone anything unless there's a way that Christian guys do bachelor parties that I don't know yes, where they we ways we do teach each parties. other useful things but and in my head we don't get funny dancers to yeah, come and entertain please, us we don't know that so <laughs> yeah, but, what's the advice you'd give for uh, for men especially premarital counseling is definitely a hit mm. even if you don't have a lot of time if done properly what premarital counseling must do is it must uh, compel the partners to realize that once we get married we must do some other things mm-hmm. this is what i'm saying when when premarital counseling is done properly let's even assume people had just one month to get into premarital counseling if it's just done properly it should one of the things it should just tell the partners is to show them that beyond marriage mm. you know what we need to do something yeah supposedly a fire is the house yeah. this is what we're supposed to do supposing we're planning this is you know if if it if it prepares the partners well guess what they're going to constantly be improving like you've already said the meeting with the aunties is never going to teach a woman what to what to become yeah, yeah. you know in she fact there is there's so many movies people are watching so much discussion on social media and so many friends around mm. that people are already being taught these things subtly yeah. so um with with good counseling prior it would train people then how to constantly learn and learn and grow like i'm saying even those people that are married for long they still find out that there's areas and places where they must relearn some of the things they learned mm-hmm. or at least just continue to sharpen themselves in certain other aspects mm-hmm. I, i think that's how um it makes things better 
So you said there is a Christian bachelor party. There is. Uh, we've we've done lots of Christian Christian bachelor so parties. What happens? I'm just curious. Uh, it, 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 it depends. It depends on the. It depends on who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But how kinds of bachelor parties? Well, you've got a bride. Mm-hmm. Uh, bit of entertainment. Uh, no people, no funny people who are not males coming to dance. Uh-huh. And then obviously the, you normally invite a speaker. Okay. A speaker to give a talk. And in some cases, they even go further than to take the young man by himself and then have a deeper discussion, mm-hmm. mainly relating to sexual matters. Right. Right. So how to handle a woman once you have to be sexual. So uh, in those moments, I've actually seen in certain cases where beyond the larger context of the full bachelor party, the, the young man is actually put in aside. Yeah. Then there's a there's a very uh, good conversation that goes, mm-hmm. sometimes with a group, sometimes with one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But again, I, I won't stop emphasizing that it's before and after mm-hmm. because yeah. it's a journey. Yeah. All right. Amen. Amen. Thank you, PC. As it has been awesome talking to you. I'm sure you've given our listeners plenty to talk about. To think about Marriage works. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Amen Thank you very much. to that. So, if you have any other questions for PC or for us, please feel free to contact us via Facebook or our email address, and we will try our very best to answer all of those questions. I am T Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. We with PC, and we out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.